And welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 375. Yeah! Hey, you lot. I hope you're keeping well and safe. We hope you've had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. related. Indeed. Yes. Nice and in sync there. We were in sync, weren't we? Mm. That's good, that one. For once. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to 375. It's been a quiet week, this one, dude. We have no news really to talk about. It seems to be uh, people are busy with other things. Hmm. The Doctor Who team are busy in production at the moment on the new stuff. We've got Russell, who's also busy, but promoting something else, not Doctor Who. We have uh, no news on any upcoming uh, Blu-ray box sets at the moment, post the one that's due out soon. Mm. Uh, We don't have any BFI screenings yet to talk about. Uh, Nothing going on, dude, really. No, I know Russell's been on a few TV shows, but he's been promoting Nolly, isn't he? Been talking about Nolly. Although they all the interviewers always sneak in a dot two question, I've noticed. They always get one in just all to try and get some secrets out of him. There was a nice one of him chatting to Lorraine Kelly the other day, because she's a big Doctor Who fan, isn't she? Mm-hmm. And you can just tell that she just wanted to get Nolly out of the way so she could talk about Doctor Who. Yeah, and, do you remember uh, that Lorraine yeah. Kelly interview that uh, with Chris Eccleston last year or the year oh, before? Yeah. Oh well when he said I would never do yeah. conventions. Yeah. Yeah, that was um <clears throat> A few years ago, that was. That was, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, everybody lost their, their beep mm-hmm. when the... Because uh, I think everybody... When I say everybody, I mean like some Doctor Who YouTubers and blogs and whatnot. They went really clickbaity with it. So mm-hmm. they were like, Chris Eccleston... Is Chris Eccleston coming back to TV and all this stuff? And it was um, <laughs> it was just the interview, wasn't it, where Lillian Keely, she was like massively grinning the whole time. And she's yeah. like, so... Coming back to, to TV, when's it going to happen? And, you know, we got the famous line, like, I will never come back to TV, but I am doing Doctor Who in audio form. Oh, that's right. With Big Finish. He, mm. he sort of caveated every single response with, it's only audio, though, with Big Finish. Yeah. He made it very, very crystal clear that <laughs> the um, the prospect of him coming back to do any Doctor Who on the, on the telly box was, was out of the question. Mm. Yeah, so what what a time that was, though. I remember all those articles popping up about, is Chris Eccleston coming back? And I was like, God. <laughs> if I remember right, was he in his car or something? He I was, yeah, in a car park. interview, he's doing it in a car park. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you make the most of what you've got, bud. Exactly. You yeah, it's probably the big finished car park. Yeah. It probably was. I think it was, actually, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Wowzers. Mm. Hmm. So we have nothing to nothing of substance to talk about. I'm afraid, dear Doctor Who, no Big news. Blue Box listener. Um, but uh, why not just go back and check out the old back catalogue? Go back to any episode you've missed. So this is 375. What did we kick the new year off with? I think that was, um, I don't know. I can't what remember What was that? that? Yeah, whatever January's was. Uh, 
January the 6th, we did um, the Ark in Space, which was very cool. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, so if this is the first time that you are listening to the Big Blue Box, then welcome aboard. It's awesome to have you on the uh aboard the TARDIS listening to us waffle about Doctor Who and of course if you're one of the grizzled ancients one of the long time listeners mm. then welcome back as well it's good to have you here so we this week's review um talking of grizzled ancients if you've listened for a while you will know that we are crashing through all of classic Who right now because we've pretty much done everything else so Torchwood done Sarah Jane Adventures done mm. most of Doctor Who from 2005 done bar a couple of Christmas specials not sure um, when we're going to get round to those. Maybe we'll save them for December mm. this year. So anyway, we've got loads of classic who to get through this year, this year, this week. It's the turn of the first Doctor, and it's the Reign of Terror. Yes. Yes, indeedy. Before we get onto that, though, have you done anything Doctor Who related, dude? Have you read through the latest magazine or anything? No, I haven't really done anything Doctor Who related unusually this week. I, I had a friend stay... Um, over the weekend, uh, who I've known for years, one of my oldest friends, and she's a massive Buffy fan, and I just happened to mention that I'd never watched it, and that was it. Fired up the old Disney Plus, and we <laughs> spent the next, uh, well, pretty much the whole weekend uh, watching Buffy, um, and it was, yeah, it was. It, I must admit, I quite like it. <laughs> I don't know if I had any choice. I felt like if I dared say after like two episodes, nah, this isn't really for me. Um, I might have uh, the friendship of. You know, thirty years may have ended on the spot, but um, but no. Thankfully, I I was enjoying it, so I've been mainly watching Buffy. I'm afraid, um, okay. no do- no time okay. for Doctor Who, and then obviously Reign of Terror, which is a big old six parter with two two episodes in animation. Um, so yes, got that under the belt, and I did watch the little making of doc- documentary on the on the DVD for this one because I I remembered that there was quite a troubled production and I wanted to remind myself of all the little things that happened uh, while making the story and it was definitely uh, entertaining little behind the scenes so yeah I watched that but I haven't really done anything else I, I saw a couple of filming pics I saw the TARDIS on bricks which I thought was quite interesting so there's a photo floating around of the TARDIS um, I don't this is not a spoiler by the way it's just I think they've just raised the TARDIS up so it looks like it's on the pavement but it's quite funny it looks like one of those cars when it's had its tyres nicked and it's just on bricks on bricks yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and I saw Millie <laughs> Millie running towards it stuff nothing nothing uh, major but it's just yeah a few filming pits out there but uh, no Doctor Who was mate haven't really haven't really done anything I've seen Russell on a few things and that's about it really yeah not a bit of a quiet week really same for me dude exactly the same yeah it's um uh, been overshadowed by other stuff to watch, as is sometimes the case. Mm. So I've been watching The Last of Us. Have anyone seen that? Ah, oh, I did watch show. episode one of that. Oh, mate, what a show that is. Uh, yeah. Wow, episode one was amazing. Mm. Uh, I'm a bit behind everyone else. Um, everyone keeps telling me how good it is. And uh, yeah, that was something else I thought I needed to start. <laughs> Along with Seven Seasons of Buffy, I managed to get an episode of that under my belt. And yeah, I don't know, how, are you on the latest episode or how far have you got? I'm not. So I think the latest one here in the UK uh, is episode four. Four, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and episode five's dropping this Sunday, I think, or Friday or Sunday. Mm. So I'm up to episode three. So I've got episode four ready to watch so i'm gonna watch that at some point but yeah it's a it's a very good show and episode three is a very um uh a heartbreaking story dude i'm not gonna give anything away but oh no it's one of those um you know sometimes within certain tv shows they do these little isolated stories almost that concentrate on some other characters and stuff 
Well, episode three was like that for The Last of Us, mate. And honestly, it's a, it's a beautifully written piece of TV. And yeah, so uh, I think uh, anyone that sort of likes a sort of emotional drama and stuff, I think we'll like episode three if you've not seen it yet. So yeah, The Last of Us, been uh, checking that out. And also I've started my, I think I do this every year or every two years. I don't know. I start watching The X-Files again. Oh, you're doing an X-Files Yeah, week? Yeah, so that's running alongside my classic Who oh, rewatch cool. at the moment. So I just haven't watched any classic Who this week, so far at least. Yeah. yeah. So all quiet on the uh, on the Gallifreyan front uh, in terms of what we've been up to. Yeah. It does seem like it. Yeah, now Nolly's out of the way. Perhaps Russell can get back to watch, you know, talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> get back on the Doctor Who <laughs> set, Russell. Uh, actually, I did watch Nolly. I don't know if you've watched it no, yet. No, Any good? I watched it on... Yeah, it was Yeah, it was good. Yeah, very, very enjoyable. It was. It's three episodes. I'll be honest, I'm not quite sure if it needed to be three. I think they could have easily made it an, a two-parter or even a 90-minute drama. Cause, but it was very enjoyable, yeah. And I think... Um, people of a certain age it's quite nostalgic having the you know they've recreated the old crossroads sets and stuff and helena bollam carter is oh yeah fantastic mm-hmm. in it she's really good um i'm a big larry grayson fan i absolutely love larry grayson and mark gatis or gatis plays larry grayson in it um yeah it, it's it's fun <clears throat> it's got russell written all over it i mean the, everything from the production to the dialogue and it it just screams rtd from the minute it starts um yeah just very enjoyable very easy watching um mm, so yes, I, did, I did yeah. get that watch the only thing is i watched it on itvx this new streaming thing uh, oh, it yeah. could be my internet but my god it was like it cracked up every <laughs> like every time it went to an advert advert break because they still put they sort of insert the adverts in don't they when you watch it on streaming but it's like mm. a separate thing if you know what i mean mm-hmm. So every time it tried to cut to the adverts, it seemed to freeze. And then every time it tried to cut back from the adverts to the program, it froze for like what felt forever. And yeah, I was getting a bit, I was just like, just play. <laughs> just wanted just want to watch it. <laughs> but that could be my internet being a bit rubbish. I don't know. Just do it. Just yeah. play. I was just like, come mm. on. Yeah, it's a bit know? like, uh, yeah, pulling teeth at sometimes. Mm. Do you know what? I was thinking the other day about, uh, this is the highlight of my week, obviously. Mm. I was thinking about ITVX the other day. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, just um, randomly. Yeah, it, uh, I, I've joined the dots, or I've put two and two together, and I think I've come up with 18. Mm-hmm. Where You know, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago about Russell being interviewed about stuff and asking about Doctor Who, etc. And yeah. he was quite... Um, he was quite enthusiastic about getting all of classic doctor who onto iplayer yes so i that, remember yeah so the yeah. iplayer is the home of of doctor who um there was something that went down wasn't there a few weeks before that we didn't speak about it on the on the on this podcast because it wasn't doctor who related you know or specific but there's something going on with some of the um streaming licenses or content licenses on britbox because of ITVX launching. Some ah, I think right. one of our Discord peeps put it in there about, am I called cool to subscribe to BritBox because I've just heard that ITVX are pulling their content out of it and is that going to affect mm. the service and stuff like that? I think I think there could be something in that, you know, with Doctor Who moving away from BritBox. Because ah, I'm under... Sense. Yeah, because yeah. I'm under no illusion that there's uh, contracts in place with BritBox and Doctor Who, and that has to run its course, of course. Um, but uh, 
I think at some point with ITV, it looks like anyway that they're slowly pulling out of BritBox mm. because they want to focus on their own streaming service, which is the new ITVX thing. Really, all that leaves on BritBox then is Channel 4 and BBC content. Now, that those two things, they don't really seem like sort of the best of bedfellows, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. Channel 4's content offering has always been very, what's the, I don't know, it's, uh, more edgier, I guess, more, mm. I don't know. Um, and the BBC have already got an established thing there. They've already got iPlayer there, haven't they, to do all that, yeah. all their own content. So I wouldn't be surprised, dude, within the next year or two, maybe three years, that BritBox shuts down, ITVX has its own thing, Channel 4 sticks with its own thing, because Channel 4 already has its own catch-up streaming service. True. And yeah. then iPlayer just takes control of all of its BBC content and, and houses Doctor Who and everything. So that was my shower thought for the week. I can totally see that happening, though. Yeah. Totally see that happening. It's yeah. really annoying when stuff disappears as well. Um, you mm, know, just like you could be watching them series and then go to watch the next episode and it's gone. That happened with um, George Gently. No, not George Gently. I always say that. Um, the Douglas <laughs> Adams. Hitchhiker's um, Guide. No, 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 he did a detective series starring oh, um, um, Stephen Mangdon. Yes. George. George. Well, I'll, I can't think of anything other than George Gently now, but it's not George Gently. That's a totally <laughs> different detective. Uh, anyway, that was on there, and they only made three of them. And it's I think it was either the late 90s or early 2000s. And, um, you know, that typical Douglas Adams humour and Stephen Mangdon is, is great in it. Dirk Gently. Um, is it Dirk? Dirk Gently. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I watched the first two and thought, oh, these are great. I've never seen these before. Brilliant. And I went to watch the third one. Gone. Disappeared within a week. I was like, oh, no. Because mm-hmm. you can't find that anywhere, I don't think. That series. I don't think so, mate. No, not does, online. Does it say anyway. what year it is? I'm just trying Because Stephen Mangdon obviously looks quite, you know, oh, I don't know the year, but I, I, no. it was in the 80s. I think it was like mid to late 80s somewhere. Oh, was it 80s? Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I, I think so, yeah. I remember it being a an old 80s thing uh, what's the the full title of it it was something like Dirk Gently's something agency uh, uh, was it something like historical I can't remember now. Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency that's it that yeah, rings yeah, a, yeah. that's the one isn't it yeah, that yeah rings so a, I, I don't know when it was it. out there I think it was in the 80s but yeah, yeah that was a cracking series though yeah well I only got to see the first two but yes it was good but that's that's just a prime example yeah it just gone the next time I've, I signed in to watch it which is gutting that's why, that's why I still buy physical media, mate. That's why you so buy it. So it can just there. rot on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, saying that, that came in handy with you, didn't it, a few weeks ago. So I think it was uh, three weeks ago, three eps ago, that we spoke about one of the composers on something was doing the score for, um, uh, what was it, the, uh, the Seeds of Doom, whoever the composer was for that. Yeah. They did the oh, score. Jeffrey... Ba- ba- Jeffrey Babylon, Babylon, I can't remember who said You know who, who I mean. Yeah. Um, he did the score for the old Chronicles of Narnia BBC right. thing. And you digged your old DVD out, mate. I did, yeah. You? Yeah, I did. And it's got um, it's got them all in there as well. I did Because it's like a proper box set. I was mm. thinking I just got the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And yeah, I dug the old box set out and it's got Silver Chair and all the others in there. And I was like, oh, great. So yeah, yeah, I watched um, I watched three episodes of Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which were, like you said, just magical actually. Because mm. it's, it's such a different time in every sense like the acting the music the way it's shot is just charm to it like you know it's such a charm 
um, you know, like the people in the costumes, you know, they're so basic, but it's so great in a way. Um, but yeah, I, still, I need to carry on with that because I really, was really enjoying it, but I only watched the first three so far. But yeah, yeah, but I've got a whole box set of it. Nice. Yeah, which is nice. And you wouldn't have been able to have watched it because that's not on any streaming service. See, that does surprise me because mm. there is a time that was kind of everywhere. It's got, it is regarded as an absolute classic, isn't it? Children's mm. classic. Um, so I'm surprised that's not on somewhere yeah i'm surprised it's not on britbox because yeah britbox seems to be the place where they have all of the old stuff all the old bbc content from the 60s through to probably the mid 90s it seems to be the place to go but it's not on there and it's not on iplayer so i'm very surprised about that to be honest with you Hmm. (laughs) maybe we should send a very strongly worded email to the BBC. <laughs> maybe we should. I don't know who are the BBC, but... <laughs> no. Mm. Or maybe we've got old school. Write a letter. Can you send him a fax? <laughs> Could do. Yeah. I'm thinking back to Caroline Ford when she was like, tell them you want me to come back. And I was like, yes, I will. <laughs> don't know who I'm telling. <laughs> yeah, who are we going to tell? <laughs> I'm just shouting to the sky, BBC. <laughs> yeah, just rock Bring up. Bring her oh, back. Oh, I just had a sad moment then. Well, I was going to say, we'll just rock up at bbc television center but that's flats now isn't it it's uh, that's flats and cafes apartments and everything so we'll have to find the new office yeah did yeah. they keep the little white dots on the side of the building because that's that was a listed thing wasn't it oh uh, what did the little the, t- the three black square um, three white squares um, no it was like a load of white no. dots that used to be underneath the bbc logo yeah i think mm. that's what i was thinking um i don't know if they've kept them actually I've got a feeling they're there, but without the BBC, obviously, above them. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, yeah. It's, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, mate, I'm just looking at an image of it now. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank goodness it'll be forever, forever preserved on an adventure in space and time. Oh, God. The documentary, because they, they got some beautiful shots of it then, didn't they? Yeah. But they, I think all the, the white... The white pegs or the white dots are still there, so that's all. They're good. still there, are they? Yeah, yeah. I think there's something to do with that wall or that building. It's all listed because of its historic importance and whatnot. And but now so. it just looks like yeah, your everyday London development. Okay, I read you. Such an iconic building that I mean, like remember Blue Peter and every sort of mm. you know program back in the day. They'd always film outside Television Centre and. It's iconic, isn't it? Photo shoots for new Doctor Who companions would all always be taken in that yeah. little circle bit in the middle. It's, yeah. it's, it's so much history and memories there, yeah. Memories. We're like two old, two miserable old sods. It's like, <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, oh, do you remember the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff? Oh, that oh, no. was back in the day. That <laughs> was brilliant, wasn't it? Hey, it's not oh, there anymore. God, yeah. Anyway, I'm <laughs> sure we'll have something. There was talk, wasn't there? We'll get on in a minute, but there was talk, wasn't there, of... Um, something happening somewhere in london to replace the doctor who experience there was something some chit chats around that mm, there's still a theme park at one point do you remember that oh, yeah the theme years park. ago what happened to the theme park <laughs> well rightly so they they canned it off before they even started building it because it'd be ridiculous absolutely uh, ridiculous yes oh hold on whoa 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 with old disney involved now we could see oh, a doctor yeah. who um a Doctor Who area in one of the Disneylands, because they do that the last, I don't know, 20 years, haven't they? They have like a different parts of the theme park. You've got like a, like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. That's its own thing within Disney yeah. World. And 
or is it Orlando, whatever it is. So yeah, we might see um, a Doctor Who part of the, you know, like Galaxy's Edge within Disneyland or Disney World in Florida. We might see a whole Doctor Who world. Might be Gallif, they might build Gallifrey in oh, Disney I, I, World. I'll tell you what, it, that would could be fantastic, couldn't it? Imagine that if Disney do a Doctor Who theme park, you know, a bit of their park, like they have done with Star Wars. Be amazing. Yeah, that'd be You could have the whole oh. Gallifrey Citadel in the middle and yeah. Be, yeah. yeah. Jump in the TARDIS and go for a three D ride. Amazing. That'd be awesome, be, dude. Wow. Probably be a little bit better than do you remember in the Doctor Who experience when you walked onto the TARDIS console and then it was supposed to take off and it kind of shook a little bit. <laughs> but it was the most <laughs> feeble shake uh, ever. It kind of just slightly rattled under your feet. I think it was supposed to move a lot more. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Could, they could probably improve on that. Yeah. Indeedy. Oh mate. Mm-hmm. We'll pitch that to them as well. When we see yeah. when we complain about streaming, we'll also pitch the uh this idea of uh, a multi-billion pound investment in Disney World. Exactly. Yeah. Have a word to Russell. He hasn't got much going on. Just have a word to Russell. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Russell, it's nice to see you, on your buddy. list. <laughs> yeah, nice to see you. Hope you're doing well. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've just been promoting my new show. No, 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 no. Why about that? Right. That's <laughs> old news already. Right. Back to Doctor Who. <laughs> right. We're going to crack on with our review. Because we're waffling now. Before we go on with that, though, remember to subscribe or follow to this podcast in whatever, wherever you get your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode when it lands every single Friday. You can also listen for free over on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. And you you can also read the reviews and articles from our amazing writing team. We're also on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Mastodon. There are links on the website. Come and give us a a like and a follow over there because we chat Doctor Who throughout the week and we have a very cool free discord server so again links on the website come and jump in there very very cool community of who fans uh, so come and check out the discord server while you're doing all that stuff before or after take your pick don't forget to remember to remember to don't check out to <laughs> adam's channel over on youtube it is of course the geeks handbag the geeks handbag yes i got a mammoth 22 minute video on the way and it's i'll tell you what i'm pleased with this one so it's a it's a mammoth uh, vlog of me trying to track down the last wave of uh, b&m sets and it's almost finished i'm just adding some music to it um and it should be out soon and uh, yeah i'm very very proud of this vlog so that's on the way go and check out my youtube channel i'm also on facebook twitter instagram and i've still got that one video on tiktok although apparently it's it's uh, I don't know, reading all the information on my phone, so I'm going to probably delete that soon. Oh, okay. Apparently TikTok's bad. TikTok's very bad, apparently, yep. So yeah, that might have to go. Not but good. I'm on all the other socials, so go and find, bad, find bad. me on there. <laughs> yes, go and check out Adam on the other socials. And uh, yeah, because we all, we all chat throughout the week in between episodes and you know post little tidbits and talk about other bits and pieces. So yeah, come and get involved. It's all good. Okie dokie. Review time, bud. What are we doing? Right then, citizen. <laughs> Settle down, because this week we'll be uh, reviewing the first Doctor adventure, The Reign of Terror. There we are. Home. I say, do you think we really are home? I don't know. We've lost our way and we need your help. This is England, isn't it? No, France. You know, I'm certain we're sometime in the past. Here, look at this. This is signed by Robespierre. The doctors put us down right in the middle of the French Revolution. The Reign of Terror. I am 
satisfied as to your guilt. Don't move. Being in the company of wanted traitors. Guns now, there are only two sides. You're either with us or against us. I can't decide whether you're a rogue or a half-wit or both. How long has he been dead? Take him! You'll listen to me! I asked how long he's been dead. The sentence, immediate execution. The events will happen just as they're written. We can't stem the tide. This batch for the guillotines. For the guillotine. The guillotine. Not the guillotine. <laughs> the guillotine. The guillotine. Must pronounce that correctly. Yes. Okie dokie. The Reign of Terror then. So this is a six-parter. The first part went out on the 8th of August 1964. And the final part went out on the 12th of September of the same year. It was written by Dennis Spooner, directed by Henrik Hirsch, and overseen by David Whittaker. Stars William Hartnell as the Doctor. And then we have the... The early TARDIS crew with this one, so William Russell as Ian, Jacqueline Hill as Barbara, and Caroline Ford as Susan. And the synopsis is, The TARDIS materialises not far from Paris in 1794, one of the bloodiest years following the French Revolution of 1789. The travellers become involved with an escape chain, rescuing prisoners from the guillotine, and get (laughs) caught up in the machinations of an English undercover spy, James Sterling, alias Le Métaire. Governor mm. of the Concierge, Concierge, Consigliere Prison. However, you say that word. I think that's how Hartnell said it in the episode, actually. Just yeah. like that. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it took a couple of goes as well, didn't he? Right. <laughs> yeah. The Reign of Terror, dude. What about this one, though? Because it's an interesting one, isn't it, right? Because it's a six parter, but two of them are missing. Mm. So, did you watch the Telly Snaps reconstruction or did you watch the animated? versions oh no i watched the animated i didn't even realize the telly snaps were on there <laughs> it just naturally played the the animation when i put it on so yeah i, I would have watched that over telly snaps anyway um but uh, yeah the the reign of terror mate i just listened to that trailer um, reminded me how much i enjoyed the first episode those first 10 minutes are just brilliant where the doctor's getting all huffy and puffy because barbara and ian want to leave and he's like off you go then <laughs> I just loved it. I just loved those first 10 minutes. And then, then they realise he's like so convinced he's got them back home. And of course he can't control the TARDIS. So they're actually in France. And then he has to admit he's in the wrong place. And, oh, not too bad, he says. And, you know, just a little bit off, not too bad. <laughs> not realising they're in the completely the wrong year and everything's wrong. And I, this is what I love about Hartnell too. Uh, it, this excitement that he can't really control the TARDIS is brilliant. And uh, I, I just thought how fun those first 10 minutes were and how the cast just bring that scene to life and um yeah loved it so as a story though overall i think it's a good historical i think it's an um a, a fairly decent six-parter i i said to you before we kicked off though it did lose me along the way um a little bit in terms of my interest i i found myself getting a bit um zoning out a bit um especially towards episode five it's weird because the animation in some ways helped i think to make this story more watchable in the sense that i think that i was getting a bit bored in the middle so i loved the start loved loved episode one thought it was brilliant um was kind of getting into it for the for episodes two and three like all the sort of walking through france and the bit where the doctor some club some guy over the head was, i was just like what the hell and there was some nice nice moments but I, I was starting to get a little bit bored um by the middle of it and then the animation kind of broke that up in a way so it sort of helped it a little bit 
and I will get on to my thoughts of the animation once we once I get your initial thoughts and we get into get into some other stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it's the story tailed off a bit for me. I think being six episodes, it just didn't. Um, it did drag a bit. I mean, you know, it's that old saying of as it it would have been a great four parter. Um, I think mm. uh, six was a bit too much for me, but I do. By the time I did finish it, I thought it was some really nice moments. Um, I think Hartnell is absolutely brilliant in it. Absolutely brilliant. He seems to be. He gets some really nice moments, uh, especially the bit towards the end where he has to dress up as uh, I don't know what he's supposed to be in the big hat yeah. and the ribbon yeah. and stuff. He gets some really, bit, that, isn't it? yeah, yeah. He gets some really great moments in it, and he relishes in those scenes. And he's still on very good form. There's the old fluff, obviously, um, but there's some great Hartnell moments in this, and it really um, added to the story. I think so. Yeah, overall, I think it's decent. I think it's a good historical, but um, I, I can't lie. There were times when I was just zoning out, getting a bit bored, and then I would sort of snap back into the story, and suddenly Barbara and Susan would be in a different costume or place, and I'd be thinking. Oh, what what have I missed? But you know, so yeah, I did zone out a bit during some of it. I have to be honest. Um, but yes, overall it was good though, a good historical, I think. And uh, I know absolutely nout about the French Revolution. Uh, I'll be honest with you. So it kind of introduced me to a few things, even though they may be factually not one hundred percent correct. I think Dennis Spooner took a bit of artistic license, but um, yeah, it just you know told me a thing or two, which is nice. Um, taught me a thing or two, if you like. So. Yeah, it's a good historical, I would say. Just too long, of course, being six parts. Us. I think that's probably a given. Yeah, I think so, mate. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm, okay. First of all, yes, I absolutely agree. This could have been a four-parter. It's, um, yeah. it's, we, seem to be, we seem to say that a relatively regular, uh, reasonable amount of times, don't we, with these six-parters. And in some ways, it's... Um, we we do fall foul of the whole binge watch approach to this rather than mm. um the watching it as it was intended to be viewed which is a weekly thing um where it's kind of that um what's the word it's like a like a serial drama i suppose i don't, it wasn't you know most of if not all of classic doctor who wasn't designed to be sat down and binge watched over a couple of hours do you know what i mean it's just exactly. not so we do have to i i think i have to remind myself of that more often than not um so i watched this as um three two and then one so i watched the first three oh, right. then i watched the two animated ones then i watched the last part last night actually and um i think i agree with you on the animated thing and it, it did make it a little bit easier to get through especially narratively how the story sort of progressed in the latter half. And mm. I think the main reason for that is because the, the, the picture quality is so bad on all the other parts. It's really like watching, um, uh, I don't know. It's like there's classic who in black and white, which can look really, really good. Mm. Um, even some of the old Hartnell episodes can look, if they've got a decent master that they've recovered or they've not been trashed, um, they can look really good. Um, I was like, uh, like the war machines that's got some amazing, nice, crisp looking, uh, uh, videos and stuff, uh, videos, um, sort of picture quality and stuff. Whereas yeah. this one, because all of the master tapes were wiped and then the tele recording prints that they were saved, they were binned. 
not even wiped they were just trashed by the bbc in the early 70s yeah. so i think there was a private collector that handed over the sixth episode and then they found all the other ones uh, well they found the first three in another country and the other two parts four and five are still missing so they had to animate those mm. but even so um um they uh they just look awful mate so it's really difficult to sort of maintain your your kind of concentration almost because you're trying to sort of deal with the like the especially the audio as well the audio is really like um really tinny yeah it and, is tinny yeah um yeah so i don't know it's it's just it's just a bit of a rough watch to get through the live action episodes and so because of that you kind of think well i do anyway i after i've watched this one i'm like oh, this is only the second time for me as well watching this story and i'm as soon as i finished episode one i remembered back to the first time i watched it and thinking crikey this is a the story is very cool and mm. like you said hartnell's on fire in some scenes he's very cool yeah but just overall it's like oh this is a real sort of grind um, to watch through just because it's mm. so bad like there's a couple of scenes where you can't even tell that they're on a set anywhere because the edges of the picture have got this really big faded grainy vignette thing going on where it's all dark mm. around the corners and the edge and it looks like they're just standing in front of a black curtain for a lot of it and you just think christ what's going on here sort of thing but i think overall it's a it's a fairly decent watch it's 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 not terrible by any means um it's just crying out for somebody somewhere to hand in like uh, some decent quality you know prints of this and it needs a remaster mm. of course but yeah um yeah. yeah it's just it's not terrible and do you know what i think this is one of the only few stories for me where i wasn't too blown away with ian and barbara and susan well, no, I mean, Susan's sick for most of it, isn't she? Yeah. She gets yeah. kind of written out of it almost. Yeah, yeah and um, Barbara's okay. Barbara's okay. Mm. But the way she was written, she was, in this one, she was, I know it's of its time, but she was written as a bit of a, a bit of a damsel in distress. And then, you know, the the charming, handsome rescuer, she has eyes for him a little bit. You know, it's all very cliched kind of female assistant kind of character and then yeah. ian is um doesn't really do a, a massive great deal um he uh he, we have a bit of evade you know capture and evade and he's trying to get out of his cell and all the rest of it um but he just doesn't have a massive to do so it's one of those few stories where for me the doctor really does you know when he's on screen take you know run with it and and does his thing so mm. it's a strange one this one um it's well it's for me it's a strange watch because of all those things but also yeah it's it's normally we find ian and barbara to be just like amazing in most of their stories mm. and almost outshining the doctor in some places you know and stuff like that but for me it was almost the opposite on this one i found that hartner was just really really into it and Mm. and very cool and the other the other ones yeah yeah so um what do you think to the story then because it's obviously an historical and um it's set during the uh you know as barbara tells us very clearly yeah. um the reign of terror 
She actually says she says the title. Yeah, so she sets <laughs> yeah. us up. You know, it's the French mm. Revolution and all that stuff. So it has got one of those very nice um, uh, historical things going on. However, it it does play with that a bit loosely. With you know, in terms of um, certain characters, I remember researching this um, early on in the week, and the reception that it got mainly from viewers was very good. Really enjoyed the story, like the character development with some of the people who are on either side of the revolution and how that plays out throughout the story. But then the critical response was most of the critics, they were sort of a bit harsh on the the accuracy right. of the historical side of it. Um, mm. uh, so yeah, I think they were concerned that because a lot of children obviously watched Doctor Who, that they were being misinformed about what was happening what actually happened during the French Revolution during this time and what we see mm-hmm. the Doctor getting up to and so on. So I don't really buy into that too much. I think that's a little bit of a bit of woke stuff going on there, um, mm-hmm. even back in the, you know, the this early time. But anyway, um, what did you think to the story and this being a historical etc.? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. I wouldn't have known if there was any historical ac- accuracies because I don't really know much about this you know this time period at all anyway so i kind of just went with it um yeah i think i I think it makes a really interesting place for the tardis team to land um you know it's it's quite an interesting setting and i like the fact it's based in fact if if even if the facts are slightly uh obscured if you like but it's nice to see i agree with you about the tardis team though i mean it's nice to see the doctor pushed to the forefront of the story because obviously the first doctor um, although he's the lead, quite often, you know, uh, Ian gets to do all the sort of punch-ups and chasing and uh, for obvious reasons. Um, so it's nice to see the Doctor getting pushed to the forefront a bit more. But, yeah, the downside of that is that uh, the rest of them don't really get a lot to do other than be captured and put in a cell and poor old Susan gets sick and spends a good sort of part of the story ill uh just sort of being yeah. flopped flopped around in, in a chair and stuff and um yeah so they they don't really they don't really get a particularly good story i suppose in that sense they don't particularly get a lot to do um and you're right about barbara because i absolutely love barbara and i like it when we see strong barbara just standing up for herself and you know and in this one yeah she is written to be a little bit uh, on the weaker side i mean she does get the odd good moment but it's a bit like when the jailer tries to tries it on with her and you know she's quite timid about it rather than just giving him a good old elbow in the ribs and saying get off <laughs> you know uh, so yeah it's um i do agree with you about that but overall i think the story is good and i like the setting and i like the fact it's uh historical in that sense that it is trying to teach us about this time and what was going on in france uh, even if it may not be factually 100 percent correct but because i don't know much about it anyway that's uh, i wasn't sat there thinking wow now come on that's wrong and that never happened and who's this and, you know it didn't it didn't matter to me because i don't know anything about it anyway yeah so but yeah i Same liked i liked you. the setting yeah. i really did i thought it was quite an interesting and obviously the it gives the doctor uh the you know gives him the opportunity to get into that interesting costume or outfit at the end and like you said that's become quite an iconic look you know you see lots of photos of Hartnell in that big hat and the big whatever the thing is across his chest you know the stripy thing Mm -hmm. so it's um and although like you said the rest of the cast they don't get a 
great deal to do apart from being captured and putting cells and stuff. I think they it was probably quite a fun story for them to recall because they do get to dress up and and have a bit of fun and pretend that they're working in a bar to you know get people in the right place and stuff. So there there are some fun moments for the rest of the cast. But yeah, I think Cartnell definitely sort of carries this one for me. Uh, and I do do absolutely love him in it. I think he, as I said, I think he gets some really good moments. He gets to dress up the most as well, and he seems to be really enjoying it. Although having watched the behind the scenes, which we will get onto, uh, I don't think he was. <laughs> I mean, because the whole time I was watching this, I was thinking, God, Hartnell seems to be having a blast. I bet he's loving this story. Turns out there's a lot of friction behind the, the uh, behind the scenes making this one. But we'll we'll come on to that in a bit anyway. Mm. Yeah, there was, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, Okay, so yeah, it's. Um, should we talk about some of the characters? Because I think the story, like story-wise, it's although there's a lot going. It appears like there's a lot going on. There isn't really, is there? It's. Um, no, I think that's the thing. That's why I, I started to zone out because mm. once you get into the initial story, which is good, it doesn't have enough meat on the bones to carry through uh, till the end. That's that's the thing. Yes, exactly that, mate. Yeah. So, mm. essentially, Ian and Barbara. Um, at the beginning, they arrive what they think is England in the 1960s. And uh, the doctor's ready to just hoy Ian and Barbara out. Yeah, and what if he had? Yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking that. What if he'd have just, because he's like telling them, isn't he? Off you go then. Yeah. And what yeah. if he'd have just left them there? They would have been stranded. Exactly, <laughs> mate. Yeah, it's... Oh, he's so careless, the first doctor. I just, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Away you go. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so I do love that early, um, mm. that really old. Um, first Doctor and Second Doctor um, hum when you're in the console room there. It's, you know, they've got like... Yeah, yeah. I love that sound. Anyway, so yeah, he's ready to hoy him out and they're like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. This kind of looks like uh, this is the right place, but something doesn't, you know, it kind of feels off. So they, mm. they investigate a little bit and quite early on in the story, I think they find some papers and they come across two guys and figure out that basically they're in France, they're in the middle of the French Revolution, Barbara tells us. And then from that moment on, it's kind of, it's kind of the, the same, it's that concept, but it's kind of drawn out throughout three or four episodes. Essentially, they get put in prison, don't they, for traitors. Like, they, they think they're mm. traitors, basically. Um, and uh, they then... Um, uh, the, the doctor goes off to investigate something, uh, gets trapped in a burning barn, turns out he's okay at the end, and then goes yeah, off. Yeah, good and, cliffhanger, but yeah. Yeah, it's a really good cliffhanger, isn't it? The end of episode mm. two, I think. And um, uh, Ian's in one prison cell. Uh, Susan and Barbara get put in another prison cell. And they kind of get caught up in this whole uh, sort of undercover undercover um, thing that's going on with, especially this English spy. Um mm. Uh, what's his name james sterling and yeah. you know trying to infiltrate the french um government and, and all this stuff and then it leads basically with ian escaping barbara and susan um going into the revel you know these dudes who are part of the revolt you know they help him out the doctor just pretends to be some highfalutin you know french uh official uh hence the uniform and everything that he there's a really funny scene where he goes into the suit makers, isn't it? And That's brilliant. You know, yeah. and he's like, well, how much is this? Well, I thought an exchange would be, you know, they swap, whatever. <laughs> and and that's it. And so that that whole concept is kind of drawn out throughout. There's a bit of evader capture going on. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's the, it's almost Disney-esque. And it's kind of, we've got the bumbling drunk prison officer who 
yeah. he thinks he means well and all that stuff. So that's the story, kind of. There's a couple of little little bits in it, but that's you know essentially it. Character-wise, there's quite a decent um, sized uh, supporting cast, isn't there? There must be about thirty people. I was going to say, yeah. Up, now, yeah. regular listeners will know that um, how bad <laughs> we are with names. I'm just going to say off this cuff, don't expect me to know any of the characters' names <laughs> in this because try as yeah. I did to keep track of who was who. Um, I hadn't got a clue, apart from Sterling, probably. <laughs> so, no, that's fair yeah. enough, mate. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's talk about some characters then. So we have a couple of guys that bump into the group fairly early, and then they pop up again. You know, there's a bit of a shootout in the street, and then mm-hmm. we see them again yeah. later on, um, uh, uh, a bit further down the line. So Susan and Barbara, this is what I was saying earlier about those two being written in, in a certain way where when they get rescued later and they go to uh, whoever's house it was um i think it's jules house isn't it who's jules uh jules renan played by donald morley mm. um they essentially get relegated to cooking and cleaning yeah you know what i mean much. so yeah. um but those guys were fairly cool though so i think that was um who was it that they bump into uh uh so D D Argenson and Rouvray are the two guys. So Neville Smith and Laid Lord uh, Darlings, they pop up a couple of times. Those guys were kind of cool, weren't they? Because um, we often criticise some supporting cast members in Classic mm. Who for not really buying into the story as much as the principal actors. And you can tell that they're there because they're being paid to be there. It's an acting job. They're not really fired up about the story. But these two guys I thought were pretty sweet. You know, they they came across right away as just really cautious about what's going on, really mm. cautious about them being actual traitors. And it's not until later on that um, they try to convince them that we are from England, but we mean no harm and all the rest of it. Um, and there's a scene actually later on with Ian, which we'll come on to, where he just tells them the truth, that mm. they're time travellers, but you'll get onto that. But yeah, so those two yeah. guys... Um, the Ar- the uh, Argenson and Rouvray, they're in it quite a lot. So, what do you reckon to them? Yeah, I was going to say that they're quite a good little unit, aren't they? Mm. I think that's the thing. You you kind of suspect what's going on. Um, I think w- with them, but yeah, no, the uh, most of the supporting cast in this, including them, really of decent. I think, like you said, I think this is a sort of story where it could have been quite easy to sort of ham it up and do silly French accents and stuff like that, and we don't actually get any of that do we it's all played fairly straight you know played fairly serious um yeah no the, I, those guys were good they were good a good little unit good little units mm. yeah yeah they were good um what did you think to the guy um uh, jules renan then so he played by donald morley he's basically the guy that um uh, he's kind of uh he's quite suave suave <laughs> and high you can yeah. tell he's of money you know yeah. his house is quite um it's quite nice and stuff um and um yeah so he he's kind of it all culminates in his house actually at the end of the story doesn't it in part Mm. six you know it all kind of goes down i think that's where it slows up for me mate is once we get to his house i i I think that's why i was getting a bit bored i was like i needed to get out into the revolution or do something because we're spending a lot of time in this dude's house and uh i mean most of the animation set in his house isn't it apart from the cells and stuff which is probably good for the animators because it probably gave them less work to do but yeah i was starting to get a bit find it a bit tedious at that point 
Mm-hmm. But the character, though, that you talk about, I mean, he's good. Like you said, suave, and he's got that air of mystery about him. And again, uh, what was the actor's name? Because he is playing it quite serious as well. Jules um, went on, yeah, Donald Morley, yeah. Yeah, he's got yeah. a good look as well. It kind of suits the the role, if you know what I mean, the, the dark hair and everything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought it was good casting. Yeah, and his performance was cool because um, he had like an air of authority about him. And the way that he delivered his lines was really steady. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know when some people when they get mean, yeah. animated or they get into it, um, where it's like a heated discussion with someone or whatever. Mm. Um, but he was like really cool, and he delivered his lines at a slightly lower, um, slower pace than what you would expect. So um, that was cool. But that last scene though, in episode six, was really cool. Where? Um, oh, where he's questioning Barbara. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. He overhears, um, uh, like the he overhears the conspiracy side of things at the very mm-hmm. end, which I think is probably, I could be wrong, but I think overall the most accurate part of the historical, where um, the guy called Barras, um, Paul Barras, played by John Law, um, he's catching the plan, isn't he, to overthrow the government with a young general that's not known in the, in history at that point, which is Napoleon Bonaparte. Mm. so those two are hatching the plan and you know that's that's like a nice little um fairly political driven conversation yeah because he's like napoleon as if sort of thing yeah yeah Yeah. because ian's like that's napoleon bonaparte (laughs) and you think come on that's not but then it it turns out it is you know those conversations and stuff were were going on so um so that's that last episode actually we were saying earlier that this could have been a four-parter. This all could have been wrapped up really nicely at the end of part four mm. with that stuff going on. So anyway. I'm um, glad that, it, the, you know, out of all the episodes to be missing, I think actually episodes um, four and five are probably the best. If you're going to have to have two missing, I think they're the best two to have missing. Like I, would, I wouldn't want the last episode to be the one that they, we didn't have and mm. that they had to animate, if you know what I mean, because... Yeah, I, I think the first and last episode are actually really nice and probably, well, probably episodes one, two and six are great. So I'm glad that they're not the ones that are missing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's just the middle chunk, isn't it? Like three, four and five. So that's yes. what I mean about the animation slightly helping to alleviate because it just sort of wakes you back up because you're looking at something different. Like you mentioned the picture quality. Once you get to episode four and you're into animation, I think that probably would have been quite a dull episode to watch, but because it's animated, it's it just um, is something different, and it kind of took woke me back up for a little bit. Um, unfortunately, by episode five, I was starting to get bored again, so I was already like, okay, yeah, the animation's mm-hmm. decent, but yeah. Mm, anyway. yeah. But I'm glad yeah. that episode six is in the archives. I wouldn't want that to be missing. Yeah, no, I think you're right with that, buddy, as well. I think episodes four and five are a bit more just... Um, in terms of pacing, it really slows down at that point. It does, yeah. yeah because, um, and that's not, that's not any criticism of the animation or anything like that. I mean, it's fairly basic, isn't it? We've, we've seen better animated Doctor Who, but this is not bad. So it's not down to the animation that it's it's like that. Really, the, the way that the story pans out from a script perspective is in those two episodes, all they're doing is setting up the final act that's really all that's happening in those two. Because hmm. like you said, it's set mainly in, in Jules's house and there's just a lot of, it's, it's a lot of conversation, not much yes. in the way of what's Very going wordy. on. So yeah, it's all about um, 
you know, a couple of people have been killed. Um, Jules is reassuring Barbara and Susan, look, we can smuggle you out, smuggle you out of France. You know, you have my word that everything's going to be okay. And, um, you know, and all that stuff. And the only sort of intercut bits that are kind of cool is when the doctor is, um, uh, you know, sort of trying to win over the prison guard. You know, he's kind of waiting for his moment to... um, Yeah, let's talk about those scenes, actually, because there's two scenes that are very cool with the Doctor and these two characters. Mm. So the first one is the Doctor's on his way, completely minding his own business through the countryside, isn't he? Yeah, so lovely shots. I believe it's the first location footage in Doctor Who, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, even though it's not Hartnell, is it? It looks like him, but it's not actually Hartnell. It's a Hartnell double, which is a shame. But you'd never know. Yes, yeah. Fair. So, yeah. yeah, it was the first time that they had um, that they had gone. So this was across, like I don't know, somewhere in Buckinghamshire. They found a nice field, and yeah, you know, and this is a supposedly you know Paris countryside and whatnot. Um, and uh, in actual fact, they used a double for Hartnell, didn't they, in some of those shots? That's right. Yeah, it's not mm. him. Yeah, it's, it's not him at all. But um, he's got the walk, though. I'll give him that. He studied. He studied it. He's got the walk, <laughs> but it's not Harlem. <laughs> <No. laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, actually, um, the guy who doubled as William Hartnell, a guy called Brian Proudfoot, which mm. is a very cool name. Um, he also yeah. turned up at the studio recordings as well, so that he could um sort of see how William Hartnell moves and try and study his walk and oh, right. and that sort of thing. And apparently. Um, this really annoyed William Hartnell at times because he was fed up with his shadow following him. So we'll come on to Hartnell's. Uh, oh, yes. He had a bit of a mard on, didn't he? he yes, for a lot he of wasn't. This. Yeah. We'll come on to He wasn't a happy chap. Yeah. He wasn't, yeah. yeah. But anyway, this scene's very cool. He's in the countryside. And he comes across, this, comes across this guy and he's like, anyway, nice to meet you. I'm on my way. And the guy gives a bit of grief. He's like, I need to see your papers you know, to see who you are, that you're legit. You know, you're not a you're not a soldier or a traitor or anything like that. Can't produce his papers, so he gets thrown into doing some works of manual labour. Anyway, the doctor's way of getting out of that situation is to cause a distraction, first of all. He's like, look up at the moon, we're watching the eclipse. Uh, at the sun, sorry. We're watching this, you know, eclipse, and, you know, it's coming, it's going to be cool. Everyone's, you know, because back in the day, this was like a, an amazing thing to witness and mm. everyone's looking up. So he robs a coin out of his, out of his pocket, goes back to his business, plants the coin and then pretends that he's discovered a, a gold coin and there must be more there. So the guy, you know, the, the work overseer is very greedy, pushes everyone out. I'll be digging for this. I'm, I'll be the one getting the coins. <laughs> anyway, Hartnell seizes his moment, doesn't he? he um, God, does he? He grabs one of the pickaxes and, yeah, wallop, wallop right over the back of the head, and that's his escape. But that whole scene was very, very cool. And did you think that the doctor had done more harm than insinuated? Because it was quite. Um, so they didn't want to show the impact, obviously, because as you mentioned, children watch Doctor Who. So yeah. the way that they, the way they did this was they zoomed in and did a close-up shot of another actor's face who was wincing really badly, like. Mm. Oh God! You've just walloped him over the head. So, do you think that the doctor had knocked him out, or you know, shock horror maybe have killed that dude because he gives him a fair old swing? He gives him a 
fair old whack. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember the first time watching that, actually being speechless, thinking, what, the doctor has just done that. <laughs> you know, because that's, I mean, that is what I love about Hartnell's doctor. You just never know. Like, you wouldn't yeah. cross him, you know. He's got a danger element to him. Um, yeah, now, I'm not sure, because he does put the coins on his eyes, doesn't he? Yes. At the end, which yeah. is what you do when someone's dead. But then... Um, am I right? You hear the guy snoring, don't you? I think. Or oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I think you just assume <laughs> that he's knocked him out. Um, I think, but yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. The doctor really does give him a good, good whack. So I don't know what the doctor's intentions were. He there. does, doesn't he? Though. Yeah, Crikey. but that scene is funny. I mean, it is funny. And it's so, like, something that would not be written now, isn't it? You know, the Doctor whacking someone like that over the head and you just wouldn't, yeah. you know. But that's what I love about the first Doctor. You can't, he, he's unpredictable. He is. You know, you yeah. never know what he'll do next. Do not mess with him. That's the thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, doesn't he whack somebody with a rock around the head in another story? In the yeah, garden? In, um in the unearthly child, unearthly isn't it? Child, yeah. He, yeah, he whacks someone with a big rock. Yeah, you have to yeah, watch him. Yeah, he's always whacking people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that guy, uh, I think that guy, the actor's name was um, Dallas Carvel or Dallas Cavell. Good name. Yeah, and he's he's listed either as the roadworks overseer or the chain gang leader. Oh, um, right. But that was such a good scene and because uh, he has a bit of a nap, didn't he, and he's snoring in the doctor's, you know, trying to figure out the escape plan and stuff. So mm. early on in the story... Um, which goes back to what we were saying around the first part of the story is actually okay, but before it slows down, it's got these cool yeah, things. And then yeah. once the Doctor's left the chain gang, he makes his way to Paris, he gets there, but he's obviously not blending in at all. So he goes to, um, you know, he goes to uh, the um, the suit shop and uh, grabs the, the outfit and the clothes of a, a regional officer. I think it's the the province officer outfit that he that he grabs, and mm-hmm. that's a lovely scene, isn't it? Where the the suit the suitor's like, he's a bit sort of perplexed by the doctor because he's thinking, is this mm-hmm. what? Who's this guy about? He looks a bit weird, but then they build up a, r- a rapport really quickly. They sort of they got this kind of wink at each other, like, yeah, mm-hmm. don't worry, don't worry about the money, but I've got this old jacket and he's like what do you mean this old thing yeah i love that this, like, what do you mean old jacket yeah, yeah. i'll have you yeah. know that you know and they go off on one and they make a little pact and yeah it's almost got like an old uh an old comedy feel about it that scene it's a bit of a double act i was gonna say yeah. the bit the doctor gives him his ring though and i'm like no not don't give him the ring i, I love the first doctor's ring but uh he gives it to him doesn't he yeah the yeah. shoe keeper yeah. And then he betrays him. Then he goes and dobs the doctor in, doesn't he? He does, yeah. I thought that was a bit of a dick move, really, because yeah. um, they'd gotten on pretty well at that point. So this is um, episode three now. And, uh, yeah, so he gives his clothes, including the ring and stuff like that, gets his regional officer things, you know, the big plumage in the hat and yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it was just really gutting when he dobbed him in because you thought you guys have had a little, you've got some nice gaff, uh, some nice uh, garms off the doctor there, plus the ring. What yeah. more do you want? Yeah, yeah, I thought that. I didn't see it coming though. I must admit, well, I probably should have. But when he dobbed him in, I was like, oh no, you, you little weasel, you little, <laughs> how <yeah>. dare you? <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the point when it switches to animation, isn't it? So you get you get sort of an animation reprise of the ring being handed yes, over yeah. and i just want to quickly touch on the animation mate because you've already said you thought it was 
okay but not great. I I thought it was I thought it was fairly good for the time. I don't know how many stories have been animated up to this point. I I feel like this is one of the earlier ones, but I could be completely wrong. Um, I found it very watchable compared to some of the ones we've got today. I mean, I still haven't made it through um, Fury from the Deep because I just find the animation just so laborious. I, I've really struggled to get through that. I haven't finished it. Um, whereas I was, I found the animation decent enough, uh, especially for the time it was done, um, because I think what they've gone for is the likeness to the characters is fairly good. And I think what they've done is they've just used the same sort of shots over again, but made them slightly different. I don't know. But for me, it worked quite well. Um, it had a, the movements were fairly good, like when the characters turn round. You know, like in the animations now, they seem to sort of, it's almost like Mr. Ben, isn't it? They just mm. flip like a, you know, like a sort of 2D character. Whereas in this, they were sort of quite 3D, the animations, like the, the features on the faces and stuff. And... I, I I thought it was pretty good. I mean, not not the best animation we've had, but certainly watchable. Certainly better than I think some of the newer ones. Uh, in terms of, I found it um, watchable. If you know what I mean. Did, I wasn't saying I think it got oh, this is bad. This is really bad. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Did you? It sounds like you weren't overly impressed with it. Um, fifty-fifty. How would you compare it to what we get now? Um, because it's very different, isn't it? It's a completely different style of animation to what we've had recently. Yeah, it's very different. I, I, if I remember back to the first time I watched it, for some reason I thought it was really clunky and mm. really um, staticky, but it wasn't like that really. It did have. It was fairly fluid. It was just the the the, the range of animation was quite limited. So when the, the characters yeah. are moving, um, like in some of the more recent animated stories. Um, there, there's a lot more going on. So you see characters running around, walking. A lot more expressive, I think, is the what I'm looking for. Whereas this one, it's just like their eyebrows move a little bit or mm. their face moves a little bit to the side. And, you know, it's it's a lot more static, but not not terrible, though. It's obviously very different to what we have now, but I'm kind of 50-50 on it. Like, I'd ri- well, I'd, I'd rather have this to watch than the telesnaps and the recons and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. I think what yeah. they've gone for in this animation, which I liked, was that the, the, they tried to go for a fairly decent likeness. So you could clearly see Hartnell in that animation and Chesterton and every You know, the, the likeness was there. It was good enough. Um, whereas I think in some of the recent animations, like I forget which one it was, um, you know, Polly looked absolutely nothing like Polly. And even Annika Wills, I remember, said it at the BFI I was quite shocked she, she was like well I don't know who that's meant to be or something <laughs> it's like and I was thinking gosh Annika the animators are sat in the audience you know but she's just saying how it is because they've definitely gone away from the likeness like I think with some of the Troughton animations we've had recently he he does that you know they don't haven't quite got his features right and it's a very basic version of Troughton's face whereas watching these animations I feel like they're more simplistic but they've tried to make them look more like the characters they're meant to be yeah. if you know what i mean there's a yeah. lot of detail gone into the face even though the facial expressions are very limited like you said to just the doctor widening in his eyes or an eyebrow raising or whatever so it's more basic but i think somehow more detailed if that makes sense yes. like i could clearly yeah. see who the characters are meant to be i wasn't sat there thinking 
well, that looks nothing like Susan, because it did. It did look like Susan, and it did look like Barbara, mm. and, and so yeah. on. So I think that helped, whereas sometimes with the new animations, I think, well, that looks nothing like so-and-so. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, who's that meant to be? Mm. So, yeah, not that I'm dissing the re recent animations, because <laughs> some of them have been good, but, you know, some of them haven't. So yes, Whereas this yeah. one I thought was okay. Was, was, you know, I could tell a bit of effort had gone into it. It's just mm -hmm. a bit basic. Yeah, it was a bit basic, wasn't it? Yeah. But, then, but then the yeah. story is, you know, it kind of mm. fitted in with the rest of the story for me because, you know, there isn't a lot of sets or anything. So it didn't jar too much, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Yes. No, I read you, mate. Mm. Yeah, no, I read you. It goes back to what you were saying about those two episodes, that um, it's, it's set in Jules' house predominantly anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there was never going to be a huge requirement for the animators to do, like, outside environments too much or... Mm. Or, you know, any of that stuff. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the other cool scenes that the Doctor had was with the Jailer, played by Jack Cunningham. Yeah. Nice scenes. Yeah. So he was another kind of, um, almost like sort of character that you'd see in a Disney film, like, you know, mm. the sort of sidekick, comedic, um, <laughs> uh, sort of bumbling character. You know what I mean? It's um, Yes, I know yeah. exactly what you mean. And, and you can tell that he's a few brain cells short of a whatever because he drinks a lot and he's he just comes across as generally anyway just a bit of a a bit of a buffoon in a way mm. and um and yeah he's he's easily fooled as well isn't he so when the doctor does turn up in his officer outfit uh the doctor plays that really well he's like mm. cool as a cucumber and just and does all that stuff but that guy the jailer you know bless him um at one point you thought that he was going to just be severely reprimanded for his for being a bit of a a numpty but he mm. never does does he he's just you no. know he's he, yeah i don't know but it was a very cool character and you can tell that the the chemistry was there between the the doctor and and, and the jailer so yeah that guy was cool jack cunningham yes i was gonna say he's he's play it's like it's a nice character. i like when we get that in terms of they got that comedic edge to them um, but that they are quite fun. I think it's just the only thing I don't like is actually really his very first scene when he tries it on with Barbara, because that's a bit, um, it's a bit sleazy. And I think, oh, that's a shame. But I think that's because of the time, though. That you know, that you know, we used to get stuff like that. Unfortunately, in a lot of TV shows where they try it on with the ladies and stuff. And I thought, oh, that's a shame because that's one of the first things he does, and Barbara quickly puts him right. But um, but apart from that one bit. Yes, every other scene he's in, he's quite fun to watch. And it's, it's a nice performance. The actor totally suits the role. And, and he knows exactly what he's doing in that role, if you know what I mean. He knows exactly the character he wants to play and how he wants to play it. So, yes, he's fun. And like you said, the scenes opposite Hartnell were great. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So, yes, yeah. he's a fun character. Just don't like that first scene when he tries it on with Barbara. But, yeah. Mm. Yes, you know, I agree. Yeah. I'm just very protective of Barbara. <laughs> yes. Before we get on to the principal dudes a little bit more, just very quickly, there was another yeah. guy that was, he was like the top dude that you would see out of all of the French sort of um, uh, political dudes. He was the top guy, wasn't he? His name was Robespierre, so Maximilian. Yeah, Robespierre. Yeah, played by Keith Anderson. Um, he was there really to kind of, what's the word? Um to try and show that as well as the people who are revolting against the, the the French politicians, he was there to show that actually these guys are going to be more than a handful. 
Mm. Um, and he was like one of the top dogs sort of thing. But he was very, like, very official in a way that yeah. he delivered his, his stuff. Good word. Uh, obviously, knew what he was doing, was in Dixon Dot Green, was in Zed Cars, knew how to, oh, uh, knew how to chew the wood <laughs> in front of a camera and stuff. So, um, <laughs> But he was okay, though. He was pretty cool. No, he was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. What's, uh, what say thee on on Carol Ann Ford in this one then as Susan because oh. bless her you know she's how should we write Susan in this one should we give her a good meaty side quest stuff to do we haven't got time for that just make her ill <laughs> just make her sick <laughs> bless her oh, oh, you got to feel sorry one. for her yeah not yeah, the best story for Susan eh no not at all it's a, it's a real shame actually because this is the last story of season one isn't it and so you, yeah it's a shame they never Susan is such a interesting character and the writers never seem to know what to do with her she always seems to get sidelined you know she's either ill or tripping over a rock or twisting her ankle or i don't know poor old susan she gets a rough ride and i can totally see why caroline ford got fed up and said you know this I'm, you know, you're not giving me anything to do, and I'm off. I can see why she left, um, and this is a prime <laughs> example because she, yeah. yeah, but she doesn't really get anything to do, even at the start. I mean, I, I as I said, I loved episode one, and she's getting all upset that Barbara and Ian are leaving, and it kind of reminds me of that relationship they had when they very first go in the TARDIS. How alien and cold the Doctor is towards them. Off you go then, and Susan's pleading with him, "Oh, Doctor, you know." So yeah, even that, she's sort of really just not getting a lot to work with um so yeah i feel sorry for caroline ford really it's not a great story for susan at all she doesn't get anything to do other than be ill and be carted around on the back of a horse cart uh, <laughs> which jolts by the way do you notice how it those poor actors when it goes into the studio the horse yeah. sort of stops and then starts jolting forward again and oh dear yes very i just feel sorry for her she gets nothing to do at all <laughs> And apparently yeah. even the director had a go at her when she does get something to do. She had a bit of a to-do with the director as well. She says on the making mm -hmm. of, she's trying to act and he's saying, oh, you're too maudlin. And she's like, well, of course I am. I'm in a cell with rats and I'm ill. And what do you, what do you want me to be? You know, she wasn't happy on, the, yeah, don't be so maudlin, he said to her. Um, yeah, she wasn't particularly happy recording this and I can see why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a few... Um there was a few uh, unhappy moments, wasn't there, with filming this one? We'll come on to uh, to Hartner, who I think he he was like the ringleader <laughs> in showing his disdain for a for a certain director. Um, yes, on this story. But Ian and Barbara, then uh, William Russell and Jacqueline Hill. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, I think I, I've definitely enjoyed them in in other stories, mate. Other than this one, they were okay. Don't get me wrong. But in the same way that Susan was written to just be, you know, like a sort of fade into the background, Barbara wasn't as bad as that, but she... Almost, yeah. She just didn't have as much meat on the bones in terms of how the character was written into the story, but also Barb, um, Jacqueline Hill's performance. It just felt a little bit lacklustre and a little bit um, in the background, but not as much as Susan. And then Ian was very cool again as you'd expect but yeah just not i don't know just not as not as meaty as you'd see in other stories really so not too bad those two but yeah i've definitely seen them do way more and i've also enjoyed them more in other stories 
absolutely agree because I, I love both the characters well I love all three of the characters to be honest I love this TARDIS team but yeah that again I can't really think of any standout moment um, for any of the TARDIS team if I'm honest not even Ian and that's unusual because you know Ian normally gets stuck in there and um, we normally get some good scenes of him but I know that William Russell was on holiday for some of this story and they I think they pre-filmed some scenes didn't they to on film to insert in which is why you get some very sort of odd talking to camera shots of you know from him and whoever he's supposed to be talking to so yeah maybe that impacted it but it is a shame because you've got some you've got three I think great characters there and you've got six episodes to give them something to do and they pretty much don't do anything um they get the odd bit to do like the bar scene at the end but yeah the only thing I think they would have enjoyed in this story is getting to dress up differently and and uh, that was probably fun for them but yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not a good story for them which is a shame because it is yeah, all pretty is. much the Doctor which I love because it's nice to see Bill getting all that to do and he does it really well but yeah to actually sacrifice the other characters for that is a shame because they, they, there's plenty they could have done I'm sure yeah you got six episodes for goodness sake you know what I mean they, they could have had more to do no I agree buddy yeah they could have had a bit more yeah Okay, and then old uh, old Bill Hartnell then, <laughs> as a doctor. I really liked him in this one, buddy. I thought he um, uh, he just showed a real uh, a real swing between being um, sort of frustrated uh, with like being accused as a traitor, and then that chain gang on the road puts him to work, and then um, the 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 shoekeeper with the clothes and stuff. And then in the jail and then, you know, in Jules's house later on, he just seems to have a load of stuff to do that he's like the mm. key moments in the story he's involved in. And then that cool cliffhanger as well, where he's trapped in the barn and it's on fire. Yeah. You think, wow, he's clearly the doctor's not going to die, but how is he going to get out of this sort of thing? And mm. yeah, so he has a, I think William Hartnell has a really good story in this one. Because in some of the other um, first Doctor stories we've reviewed, it's been a mix of, yeah, he's okay but he's he's buggered off on holiday for two episodes out of the yeah. four and you know it's down to ian and barbara to almost carry it a little bit and stuff like that but i don't know in this one it's the reverse for me he's really involved in it a lot and you can tell he's loving the story and it's really weird because you can see that once a director's yelled action and he's doing his thing mm. he's he's really into it and he's cool but there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, wasn't there, with William, William Hartnell and uh, yeah, yeah, and the director um, Henrik Hirsch, because I, I think it stems from um, Hartnell essentially being like, um, uh, William Hartnell just didn't respect him as a director. That's mm. the long and short of it, and so there was a lot of tension there, and. Um, uh, I think this. I think Henrik Hirsch really wanted to try and adopt a different way of making Doctor Who, where he would film things out of order, you know, and then put them together and edit them later, which sort of threw people off a little bit. Mm. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was just all over the place. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So what do you reckon to, to Hartnell's performance? But then what was going on behind the scenes, buddy? Yeah, I mean, I I think Hartnell was. It's a great story for Hartnell in in complete contrast to 
the rest of the TARDIS team that we've just talked about. Hartnell is the opposite. He gets loads to do. He does it all well as well. That's the thing. He's great in every scene that he's in, even with the odd little fluff. And not that many fluffs, actually, from Hartnell in this, surprisingly. He gets the odd one, um, but he, he manages to sail through it. And I think he's... Yeah, he's really... I was going to say he's relishing relishing in everything he gets to do, but you're right. When you hear about the stuff behind the scenes, I think Henrik was a very inexperienced director and didn't really, you know, with Doctor Who, because it's such a tight schedule and they've only got a limited time to get it in the can and get it done. Um, because of his inexperience, that caused a lot of frustrations because even Caroline Ford said, you know, like even she was getting frustrated with Henry because he didn't really know what he was doing when it comes to like camera scripts and stuff. And it was very frustrating um, because, you know, it was, there was um, a lot of unorganization going on. It wasn't very well organized. And so you can imagine Bill's not used to that. He's just not having it. And as soon as Carolyn Ford says, as soon as he's, realizes someone's out of their depth he hasn't really got time for them so he's not going to take directions from a director that he thinks doesn't know what they're doing basically that's what Hartnell was like so he would sort of shoo him away like oh leave me alone I know how to do it I know what buttons to press and yeah it got very very uh, fraught between William Hartnell and the director and then the stress got to the director because suddenly I don't know how far they'd got I think episode four um, suddenly halfway through production everything stopped and uh, people were rushing up to the gallery and poor old Henrik had collapsed and uh, an ambulance yeah. was rushed to get him and it was um, he'd basically had a sort of breakdown and, and, and it was exhaustion I think um, and so he couldn't direct uh, the next couple of episodes they had to get somebody else in and there's a mystery because no one can remember who it's so odd like there's there's names been thrown in the hat, but no one actually knows who completed this story. I think Henrik might have come back for the Yes, he did, he did come yeah. back. He did, because they said that Bill, you know, he could be ferocious, like, you know, but once he realized the seriousness of it, everybody says he literally reigned it in completely and they got it done and Bill just was, you know, completely the opposite to Henrik, knew that things had gone too far and just, you know, was like you know almost like the golden child couldn't have been better for the rest of the production but yes it reached a boiling point halfway through and uh, it was just chaotic apparently but Carolyn yeah. Ford says it was mainly just because he was so inexperienced he didn't really know what he was doing as a director and you just can't really have that on Doctor Who at this time because you know it's a difficult show to to make and if you don't know what you're doing you're going to fall apart and somebody like yeah. William Hartnell is just not going to stand for that, you know. So, yeah, it reached boiling point. Um, somebody else came in and directed a couple of episodes. Nobody seems to know who. Uh, Verity Lambert was brought in to, to, to sort of oversee it and, and sort it all out, which she did. And then Henrik come back from hospital and finished it off and everything. All the cast got on with him fine and it was in the can. But, yeah, quite a fraught. Uh, production it seems even the rehearsals were a nightmare they said that Carolyn Ford said they were rehearsing in this old hall and it was um, there was holes in the roof so there was buckets all over the floor dripping water in and they were sort of trying to act around these buckets of dripping water she's just said the whole thing was just a nightmare you know you've got then you've got a horse coming on the set and pooing all over the floor for those scenes when they're on the back of a real horse she said there was just so many things in this 
production that just made it difficult, you know, and then poor old Henrik obviously collapsing in the middle of it. It just sounds, you know, a nightmare, uh, really. Um, and Verity Lambert obviously in the midst of it trying to sort it all out. But um, yeah, they got it in the can. And I think when you watch it, when you watch Hartnell, I just think he's um, on top of his game, really. I think he's fantastic in this. And mm-hmm. I don't think you'd really know any of this stuff. You wouldn't sort of guess. You wouldn't, would um, you? No. no, no more than normal, because we know Hartnell could be a bit, you know, frictious. But you wouldn't sort of think all of that was going on behind the scenes watching it, I don't think, because he's terrific in it. There's no two ways about it. He's terrific in it. From the very first scene when he's getting grumpy with... Barbara and Ian to the bit where he's clobbering matey over the head to the <laughs> to the scenes of the jailer at the end to the outfit to the scene in the shop with the clothes everything he gets so many good moments you know mm-hmm. um, he, he, as I said earlier for me he carries the story like if I was going to rewatch this again it would be because of those scenes they're, they're the bits I'd be putting the DVD in to watch again because uh, yeah he carries the story for me he's superb in it yeah agreed buddy yeah it's a strange old thing that with behind the scenes as well because um mm-hmm. when um when Henrik became ill and collapsed and had to be taken away um Verity Lambert and her assistant uh, production assistant Timothy Coombe they were yes. like well we can't run a studio we can't do this so they drafted in a replacement and um Timothy Coombe thinks or says it was a guy called John Gorry and John Gorry was a director on the Keys of Marinus Mm. But when John Guy was interviewed about this, he was like, I've no recollection at all of directing this episode. So I, he was like, I could have done, but I honestly don't remember like, doing that, which strange. is really weird. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's just strange, isn't it? There's this kind of black hole uh, surrounding that behind the scenes. I mean, surely somebody like, I don't know, uh, Ian Cheston or Caroline Ford, uh, William Russell, sorry, would know you know, who was directing them, you know, back I in that I find it time. really odd that not yeah. one of them can mm. remember, especially the director, yeah. because you would think if you were called in at the last minute, that would stick in your mind, surely, of, oh, gosh, yes, I remember when that director was taken to hospital and I had to step in. That's not something you would forget that quickly. And the fact that none of the actors can remember it either, Strange. it is odd, isn't it? Yeah. It's an anomaly. Is that yeah. the word? Anomaly? An anomaly, yeah. yeah. And somebody thought also said that if it wasn't John Gorey, then it was one of the... Um, associate producers Mervyn Pinfield mm. but then he doesn't remember either <laughs> God. so it's like it's black hole around episode uh, so odd yeah it's strange isn't it anyway so yeah there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and I think towards the end it kind of evened itself out so mm. uh, one of the main complaints that Henrik had around filming was at Lime Grove um, it was really small and cramped and yeah. condensed and he couldn't really he wasn't comfortable but then when they moved it to television center he was a bit more happier and it was a nicer environment and i think so it's written anyway that hartnell was he eased up on him a little bit and was a bit more considerate and stuff mm. so by episodes five and six apparently it was a, a bit nicer and stuff like that but yeah like you said you'd never know that because you can tell can't you sometimes with some actors when something's not going right because we had this a lot with tom baker when he fell out mm. with um uh Annika, um, what's her name? Sorry, um, Louise Jameson. Louise Jameson, sorry, um, yeah. with her especially. And then when he got married to Lala Ward, Lala Ward, when those two had a ruck in the morning, Ooh. and then they went to, f- you could tell in his performance that he was not happy. Yes, but with Hartnell, you'd never know. 
all the unhappy feelings and stress and everything. He was just, he was a true professional, wasn't he? So, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Very cool. So, yeah, love Hartnell on this one. Um, what else is there? Righty. Music, very quickly for me. Um, really old school music for this one. Mm, like yeah. lots of just classical old flutes and stuff like that. So, Stanley Myers, who was doing the score for this one. Lovely, lovely score. Very, really of its time. It sounds to me really like a really old black and white movie from the 50s rather than a a 60s tv show like a science fiction show but anyway still pleasant enough very cool no big annoying weird electronic sounds we're not dudley simpson and simpsoning this thing too much and yeah it was it was not too bad dude yeah no i think the music's fine it's not not too intrusive I, i thought it was quite nice in this one actually yeah it's got a nice uh feel to it yeah, yeah. It suits the story. Yeah. yeah. Anything else on your notes, buddy? No, just that I um I like the fact that they reference a couple of other stories in it. So the Aztecs is mentioned and I think there's a couple of other stories that Barbara sort of references back to. She's like, Oh, that's a bit like when we did that in and I thought oh, that's nice just to have a bit of continuity for series one. Uh, I think it happens two or three times actually, which is nice. Um I noticed the TARDIS has no sound effects when it lands, which always <laughs> throws me off. I think it's weird how it just appears. And it's just the hum, like you said about that lovely mm. hum, but there's no whooshing sound, which is strange. I don't know why. But no, my only other note really is I, I like the last scene. And I guess because it was the last uh, story of season one, they wanted to put a nice little speech at the end. So I love it that the, we got the doctor oh, yeah. Ian and Barbara and Susan just sat round getting changed laughing like friends do and the doctor says that nice thing about um our destiny is in the stars, in the stars. And I thought, it's lovely so, isn't it it's yeah. a lovely ending that yeah I really like that as I said I'm sure it's just to cap off season one and obviously they knew there was season two because it comes up with the caption planet of giants next so I don't know I don't know how long the gap was but they'd obviously already got it it had already been camp. planned in and stuff, yeah. Already yeah. planned, I assume, because, yeah, it came up with the caption. So, yeah, it's just a lovely ending. I love that bit about Destiny and the Stars. It's, uh, mm. yeah, it's nicely delivered by Hartnell. Yeah, because you see a shot of the um, uh, of some stars, and then it yeah. fades out as he's talking and stuff. Yeah, it's a lovely little moment, that. Yeah, I forgot Actually, there was only a couple of months. So season, this finished in September 64, this episode, and then episode one of Planet of the Giants come out in October 64. So it's quite strange to call them season one or two because there's not that much of a gap. But no, anyway. it's already done. And, yeah. There you go, yeah. Yeah. I might um, I might track down the target book of this, you know, because I think um, I think it will open up a little bit more and it will be a more cohesive story, I think, to read it mm. rather than sort of the disjointed and poor quality TV show, which, you know, I'll probably end up watching that again at some point. But Because um, the book was written by Ian Martyr. Ah, oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, I can imagine he would do a good job with this, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, old Harry Sullivan uh, putting his uh, his author chops down. So, uh, yeah, and interesting that we haven't got any Terence Dix on this one. But even <laughs> so, I might, yeah, I might track down the book, dude. Because yeah, it. it was a hardback years ago, and then they and then Target brought their version out. So, yeah. Um, no other notes for me, dude, on this one. Um, no. Let's get no. to score, shall we? Right, it's you to go first, buddy. What are you saying? It is. It is. I'm going to go over 7 out of 10. 
Um, hmm. Maybe yeah, sixty. Yeah, seven out of ten. It, I just think it's a good historical. I think Hartnell's superb in it. It does drag in the middle, so maybe I'm going slightly too high. But that's that's what I wrote. So let's go with that. Seven seven out of ten. Nice, buddy. Cool. Uh, I'm going to go with a seven as well. Oh, you are. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I think um, most of that score, to be honest with you, is for Hartnell. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because I love him in this story is he, such a great performance from him. Um, but also I like some of the supporting characters, um, you know, like those two guys that pop up at the beginning um, that, that sort of are in it sort of towards the end, pretty much. Um, those two guys, um, Rouvray and um, D'Argenson, you know, mm. it just really sort of nails immediately what the tone of the story is. And those two guys uh, sort of fit the bill perfectly for that and then the jailer's funny and those other scenes yeah. with Hartnell so yeah I think it's a it's a decent enough watch it's just crying out for somebody to hand in some recordings they've got somewhere that are better quality and you know to hopefully get it done, they'll but. spruce it up for the blu-ray I'm sure they can improve it now indeedy yeah hopefully yes okay then so sevens all round from us what do our listeners think so over on the twitter our writer jordan shortman says i quite like this one as a history buff but i like the pure historicals in hartnell's era uh, but the animation lets it down a little bit but the story is decent in a genuinely precarious period of history the main cast is fantastic and the first doctor seems so happy to club that man on the head he does <laughs> uh, will sanger <laughs> says <laughs> Will Sanger says it's probably a bit too long, all things considered, and has some padding in places, but I really like this one. It has a brutality and cruelty Mm. um, to it, showing the horrific punishments of the guillotine and great terror which Barbara and Susan are put through, uh, thrust into the conflict. Uh, Paul Jobbo says first ever season finale. Uh, the yes. first half of the story is all capture and escape, but it ends up an intense and great story. It's the tailor in episode three, the first person to own a Doctor Who outfit. Oh, he probably yeah, is. good shout, yeah. yeah he will yeah. be, yeah. He's uh, on eBay. First use of location <laughs> film or heart filming, Hartnell at his best, eight cackling hags out of ten. <laughs> Do you remember those hanging out the window? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave K, David Kitchen says it's not bad, but it falls below the other Hartnell historicals for a lack of proper villain to drive the plot. Uh, mm. There's no Tegan or Taloxical or El Akir. That's very true, but you know, you know. And lastly on Twitter, uh, Sarah Louise, the running Hoovian, says an interesting story, particularly with the French Revolution setting. The animations were hard to follow, but we're fortunate to have them. The first Doctor seemed in his element, and we saw strong performances from all except Susan, who I found very frustrating to watch. Yeah. And Sarah gives it a 7.5. Oh, cool. Cheers, Sarah. Uh, and then a few over on Facebook, Toby Coleman says, despite watching only a few, only a few days ago, I can barely remember it. Oh. I remember liking the cast and the setting and quite like the music. I must be one of the few people who don't mind the animation style. I just don't remember the plot apart from it being quite repetitive, which is a shame, a six out of 10. Six, okay. Yes, one of our other writers, Harry, says, I watched this one on Christmas Eve and just gone uh, just gone as part of my marathon. It was terrific mm. viewing, terrific, epic, uh, sorry, terrifying, epic, and full of great character moments. Shame about the strange animations and some of the historical context getting lost, but it's a great first season finale all the same, 8.83. Mm, very precise precise thanks harry and lastly charlie turner says great first three episodes but the rest of it crumbles into pieces as i found planet (laughs) 55's first attempt at animating the missing episodes to be very creepy 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just sat there asking myself when I was watching it, what am I seeing here? The Walking Dead? Question mark. <laughs> Fortunately, they got a lot better with the gaps of the 10th planet and the moon base. They did, actually, to be fair. Oh, yeah, uh, moon base is good. Yeah, yeah, an okay story overall. Five out of ten. Fair enough. A five, yes. Yeah. So that's the. I think the score on average is probably about a seven for this, buddy. Maybe a 6.5, but let's go with a seven. Let's be generous. Yeah. So that was the Reign of Terror. Um, sevens all round, and then an average on the old uh, socials of a seven. What have we got next week, buddy? Next week, we'll be drifting back to some fourth Doctor action with the Android Invasion. Ah. Yeah. Some, yeah well, we just invasion. mentioned Mr. Baker. So, yeah, the Android Invasion. What series is this? This must be um, quite early Ooh, on, though. Sarah's second. in it, isn't she? So, hmm. Is 13, it? is it? It's his first or second uh, series, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, the Android Invasion, that'd be good next week. And uh, I think we'll wrap there, buddy, for episode 375. Alrighty. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to another episode of the Big Blue Box Podcast. That was 375. Thank you so much to our listeners who sent your scores and mini-reviews for um, The Reign of Terror. Thank you very much. As uh, Adam said, next week it's the fourth Doctor story, The Android Invasion. So get BritBox fired up or your DVDs out for that. Give that a watch because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always, in the meantime, make sure you are following or subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We put a new episode out every single Friday, so you don't want to miss that. And you can also listen for free over on the website, which is bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. While you're there, you can also check out the amazing reviews and editorials from our amazing writing team. You heard from two of them in the reviews, Harry and Jordan, and then we've got Maria, Mark, and Matt as well. So, uh, and Harry, go and check all of the articles out they're very very cool we're on the socials too instagram twitter facebook and mastodon there are links on the website give us a like and a follow over there as we chat doctor who and we have a very cool free discord server so hop in there and chat doctor who with lots of other very cool who fans as i mentioned earlier don't forget to remember to go and check out Adam's YouTube channel it's called The Geek's Handbag The Geek's Handbag yes go and check out my channel lots of Doctor Who vids and all sorts on there also on the socials Instagram, Facebook Twitter Twitter <laughs> indeed yes so go and check out Adam's stuff loads of cool stuff get a drink get comfy and Adam's on the socials too as he said go and stalk him and say hello over there alrighty until next week for 376 my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember Hey. hey.